0: This is an ABC podcast. It sort of starts deep within. It's like a wave.
1: It kind of comes over you. Oh, this sounds hot. And then it rushes up to my head and out my cheeks. And then it runs out my arms, out to my fingertips. Like really electrifying. The thing is, is, of course, you have no control over them. Wow, I want to hear more about this. And then you're just this like... Oh, God, I just need to really want to just take all my clothes off.
2: (laughs) On this podcast, there is one topic that we keep getting impassioned emails about. Oh, hang on, that's embarrassing. Did you think we were talking about sexy, sexy orgasms? (laughs) No, no. We're talking about a sudden feeling of feverish heat of a completely different nature. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about perimenopause. Before we get started, I want to warn you that in this episode, we are going to encounter the world's worst band name, and it's not Murder in the Underpants, although that's coming too, for reasons you will soon discover. We do need to talk about something that happens to everyone with a uterus. So you've heard of menopause. It's the time in a woman's life when her period stops, and the average age for an Australian woman to hit menopause
3: is 51. But what about perimenopause? What's that about? Perimenopause are the years leading up to your menopause, but basically it's a period of about four to five years, usually in your late 40s, where your hormones are changing. Your hormones and your periods are changing and often you get a lot of symptoms along with that.
2: Dr Rosie Worsley's an endocrinologist. She says perimenopause happens when your cycle varies by seven days or more. You usually experience perimenopause in your 40s, but sometimes it can happen when you're younger. And hey, if you're thinking this isn't happening to me for a long time, listen, this info is vital for you too, because what you do when you're younger can set you up for a better time during perimenopause. Rosie, the endocrinologist, says that perimenopause is actually the period of time that's packed with the symptoms that we more commonly associate
3: with menopause. So classic symptoms would be hot flushes and night sweats. The other really important marker is change in menstrual cycle. So your cycles might become longer, they might become shorter, you might start skipping them. And the other thing is that symptoms during perimenopause menopause can be really unpredictable as well. So... What's happening during this time is that your hormone levels are actually fluctuating really wildly. So sometimes you'll have super high levels of oestrogen and progesterone and other times you'll have practically none at all. So that's why sometimes you can have symptoms of excess oestrogen, like real breast tenderness, and then other times you've got symptoms of oestrogen deficiency, like hot flushes, and they come and go and they you know it's unpredictable about when you'll get the symptoms. So that's why it can be really hard for women to work out what's going on.
2: Given perimenopause is different for everyone, we thought we'd chat to three women, Kim, Aisha and Rachel, who are all in their 40s with first-hand experience of perimenopause. Rachel Tyson is 49. She's a psychologist and says she often sees women who don't even realise that they're in perimenopause. Aisha Timol is 41. She went through perimenopause when she was just 33. And Kim Berry is 45. When she first realised she was in perimenopause, she started her own podcast because she felt like no one was talking about it.
1: I think for me it was realising that I was having these real episodes of irrational anger that I hadn't had, you know, for a long time, like in terms of PMT and that sort of stuff. They were, they were happening far more regularly than that throughout the month and then also the hot flushes. And then it would hang around for a bit until you were really uncomfortable and sweating profusely, which is very attractive. And then it would just sort of wash away again. And I'd just be like going, oh, come on. So you're still in perimenopause? Oh, yeah. Rolling around in it.
2: (laughs) Rachel, how old were you when you realised you were in perimenopause?
4: I was 45 or 46. I think there were probably a lot of symptoms that I didn't realise were perimenopause. So things like tiredness, a bit of brain fog, bit of forgetfulness, a bit more anxiety, which you can sort of explain away when you're a busy working mother. But the hot flushes were a bit of a dead giveaway. And I was working with a bunch of other women who were in various stages of perimenopause and menopause. So that was quite fortunate because we were having conversations and, and it just slowly dawned on me that I was joining that club.
2: Aisha, it was a bit different for you. You went into menopause quite young. I was only 33 and I didn't recognise it in
0: myself. It was actually a friend that suggested to me that I might be perimenopausal. And like the others, I was having um, hot flushes and sweats and a girlfriend actually said, wow, you are absolutely dripping with sweat and it's not very hot today. She said, you might be perimenopausal. And it actually, I couldn't really take that in at the time. So it took me a number of months to go to a GP and actually be diagnosed. But the game changer for me, I mean, being in my 30s, I was, I felt quite alone because, you know, normally menopause doesn't really, I think the average age is 50, 51, yeah, my my mum was going through it at the same time. So I sort of thought, I felt a real sense of injustice. Mm. Um, I thought, why me? I shouldn't be doing this at the
2: same time that mum is. What happened to you when you went to the doctor?
0: Well, the first doctor that I saw was a male and he sort of looked at me and laughed when I said, I think I might be perimenopausal and that have said you can't be. You're you're too young. That was his words. You're too young. And I asked him to humour me and to please test my levels, test my hormones anyway, just in case. And he did. And sure enough, a week later, he called me back in and said, "Well, uh, turns out you were right. You you are you are going through menopause. You you you're perimenopausal." So that was all a real shock and not particularly. Particularly well handled. Mm. Um, I hope you I'm made um, him eat his hat or something. Oh, for me, it was very much like going through the stages of grief. I felt um, quite angry at first and then, you know, go through that stage of denial, like maybe this isn't happening, maybe the doctors have got it wrong, maybe the blood test. I I think I went back several times and had the bloods again, just to be sure. Mm. I've come through that now and I'm in a more positive place, but it was really difficult emotionally at the time. And I did have a lot of anxiety. I think that was largely when I look back, because when your hormones are sort of fluctuating and going up and down, like at the end of the day, we
2: are, as people, we're like a cocktail of chemicals. Mm. What's the first thing that goes through your mind when you accept that you are in perimenopause?
1: Kim? I felt like it was shifting me into a whole different segment of the community and I wasn't quite sure I I wanted to be in that segment just yet because I was also, you know, sort of uh, probably, you know, 43, 44 Mm. and it was just like, oh, really? And then then they You know, you sort of, of course, start finding out this can go on for years and years and years and you just go, oh, man. (laughs) Rachel, was it the same for you?
4: I would say I'm in a positive state now (laughs) of acceptance. Mm. Um, I'm happy to be part of the club. Um, Proud badge wearing member of the Perimenopause Menopause Club. (laughs) And I encourage other people to join because really it's you know, initially I was shocked, of course, like everyone is. Um, I don't know, maybe if you're the average 51-year-old, you're not shocked. But I think it still does catch us by
1: surprise. I think um, there are so many effects that you can have of perimenopause that you can sort of excuse away. So the tiredness, or the itchy skin, or the completely terrible sleep patterns, um, the moodiness. Once you actually start to realise, oh, I'm actually... Perimenopausal, it can be both a relief and then also that whole adjustment of okay, right, so now now I'm doing this in my in my life, and I know for me it was actually then starting to say it out loud to other friends and, and then sort of say, oh yeah, like that's me too, and I think that that's such an important thing for anyone, but I think particularly for women to have that sense of a community around them and and that. You're not actually going mad,
2: Kim and Rachel. You both seem to be talking about joining a club, which, <laughs> which is, let's face it, uh, you know. I'm I'm coming. I'm I'm on my way. I'm right? on board. <laughs> but
4: um, I We're not you, all crones. <laughs> yeah,
2: totally. I should because you you entered perimenopause and hit menopause so mm. young. I'm guessing that while you were sort of in in the menopause club, there were friends of yours having babies. Oh
0: yes, yes. That's I'm so glad you brought that up. That's actually completely true. The year that I went through and I was diagnosed. Two of my best friends had their babies, and it was bittersweet for me because I was on one hand trying to be a good girlfriend, and I was delighted for them. On the other hand, because I was with what I was going through, it was really difficult to put a smile on my face and go and visit them in the hospital. Because for me, um, I've have, I have one beautiful daughter, and I'm very lucky to have had her. But um, that grief—it was the end of my childbearing years, and so I was
2: in a completely different stage of life to most of my friends at that time. Aisha, you went through perimenopause quite quickly and you were well into and finished menopause in your 30s. Yes. So do you have any symptoms and are you treating those now? I'll just talk about my vagina quickly. We can can deal with
0: that. My vagina had a mind of its own. It just, because of the drop (laughs) in estrogen, it wasn't just dryness, but there was less elasticity. I read somewhere that when you're having an orgasm, it's not so much to do with
2: even your oestrogen levels, but it's the blood flow going to that area. So were you having... Were your orgasms inhibited? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was painful. So the elasticity when you when you have sex, the elasticity needs to be there to make it enjoyable. And mm. without that, you can get tears, and
2: it can be just
0: not a very nice
2: sexual experience. That just sounds horrendous. Mm. Does lubrication from a bottle? just replace that or is it worse no, than that?
0: it's not, it can't be really uh, replaced by lubrication from a bottle. I ended up using estrogen cream, which you can insert into the vagina. When you go through perimenopause, apparently you, your vagina can atrophy. And so inserting Jeez. the estrogen cream helps it to uh, not atrophy and to maintain its youthfulness, I guess.
5: I
1: don't like <laughs> the f- using the word atrophy and vagina in no. the same sentence. I do not either. I just
2: I picture something lying <laughs> inside nasty. an Egyptian crypt. <laughs>
1: okay, no. see, i am I'm actually in a relatively new relationship. Mm. so, my vagina is quite happy at the moment, and I'm quite watching it carefully because I do have a number of friends in, you know, the perimenopause land, and you know, I mean, we joke about having a papery vagina, but it's a very real and painful and quite depressing thing. So, yeah, mine's mine's in happy land at the moment, okay. but I am watching it with great, uh, you know, care. Sounds like the worst band in the world, the atrophied vaginas. Oh
2: <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to headbang my head to those guys. They suck. So all of these physical symptoms are signs your reproductive system is slowing down before menopause, which is when it shuts up shop completely. Over a period of around one to five years, your ovaries stop producing as much estrogen as they used to and your eggs start being released less frequently. Your periods and ovulation are erratic, so it also means your chances of falling pregnant decline. And for some women, that can be devastating.
6: It's like a window that's sort of slowly closing and has been for the last couple of years. And you know it's coming and you can prepare for it, but there's just... Still that tiny little bit of doubt and that tiny
2: little bit of hope. That's Megan. She's 42 years old and lives in regional New South Wales. She's in a loving relationship with her husband and for all of their time together, they've wished for a child. For Megan, perimenopause has meant incredibly painful migraines and periods. It started about nine months ago.
6: My main symptom is really around the erraticness of my periods, they're just instead of sort of a standard five to six days, which I've always been, the length and frequency and flow of my period is just off the show. It's quite crazy. It'll start quite normally on day one and then sort of peter out to nothing for a couple of days. And You think, oh, great, got away with that. And then it comes with a force and I'll have a flood for three days. Then it disappears again for 24 hours. And then it's back with a vengeance with a clot for three days and it can last eight to 10 days. So it's quite, erratic, and my GP said, yeah, that's a sure sign perimenopause is here.
2: Megan and her husband have had a lengthy go at IVF. It's been a whole decade of trying to get pregnant.
6: I won't deny every time I get my period, it's still oh, that just that moment, even though my head knows that the chance of me falling, or what they call spontaneous conception, is like 0.0001% chance of falling pregnant at this stage, there's just still that tiny, tiny little seed in there that thinks, well, maybe maybe it'll be that one in, you know, 10 million that might all of a sudden it'll happen for us. You said you feel like that window is closing.
2: Mm. When will you know it's it's truly shut?
6: Yeah, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I suppose I've sort of thought in my head maybe when I'm in full blown menopause, but realistically, I mean my eggs would be of pretty if they were pretty rubbish quality a couple of years ago, the quality now would be they'd be pretty manky. So it's realistic, it's a good question. It's realistically probably now. I suppose. I had to oh goodness, yeah. It's probably now.
2: Perimenopause, alongside the emotional and hormonal roller coaster of IVF, can put a huge strain on any relationship. But Megan says seeing a psychologist really helped.
6: She even said to us, and it still sticks in my mind, she said, you know, what's your biggest fear in all this? And I said, well, what if I don't end up with children? I can't imagine a future where I don't have children. And she said, well, what are you going to do? If you don't have kids, what, you got no future? And I thought, oh. Well, no. She said, right, well, you'll have a future. It just won't be what you've imagined. Oh, okay. She was quite blunt. Mm. But it was good to hear. Sometimes you need that. Well, you're living it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it does. Your future does change. Can you sort of focus on strange things at times? There are times when I've thought, oh, my God, who's going to put me in a nursing home? Someone's going to find me one day covered in cats in a, you know, be left in a house somewhere for three weeks on end. And then I thought, no, 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 I've got nieces and nephews. They'll be right. I'll just have to really befriend them. <laughs> They'll <laughs> feed the cats. I'll Leave them lots of money. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs>
6: Keep
2: the cats well fed. Yeah. Perimenopause is clearly tough on your body. But how about this? You've got irregular periods, hot flushes, oh, and breast tenderness. And cop a bit of this. Problems getting to sleep, problems staying asleep, exhaustion, trouble concentrating and loss of libido. And did I mention that you can put on weight for no reason? Like without changes to your diet or exercise, you just randomly stack on weight. Doctors think it's your hormonal shifts impacting your metabolism. And it can also be tough on your mental health. There's research which shows that during perimenopause you're at an increased risk of experiencing depression. Here's Rosie, the hormone specialist from before.
3: It's hard to say there's different strats that get thrown around so 14 to 16 times was seen in one little study. Other studies that are a bit bigger suggest two to four times. Okay. But we know that women definitely are more prone to depression in perimenopause. And we think that you know, probably one of the major factors is this hormonal instability. So the fact that your estrogen's up and down, and we know that estrogen is really important for mood and it affects mood a lot in some women. It may also be related to what we call neurosteroids. So hormones like progesterone act on the brain through quite a few different complex mechanisms and that may have another role as well. I think the honest answer is we don't really know. It's a very new area of research. So hopefully watch this space and we'll get some more information. If you've suffered
2: bad PMS or even PMDD, Mm. um, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder in your earlier life, does that mean you can expect to experience perimenopause in a worse way?
3: Not necessarily. I think the, the honest answer is nobody's really studied it, so you can't give a good objective answer to that. I certainly see a lot of women who have had bad PMS and then do go on to get bad Menopause, and presumably that's because their brain is particularly sensitive to hormone changes, but I wouldn't say that that's going to be the case for everybody. I think the other really important thing to remember is that once you're through menopause, most women feel substantially better and older women tend to, you know, have less depression and less anxiety and be happier overall than younger women.
2: Woohoo! Can't wait. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about treatments. You know, people who are listening to this podcast are going to be so onto it when this starts to happen to them. Mm, What mm.
3: can you do to ease these symptoms? So again, it depends how bad the symptoms are and what kind of treatments you like. The things that are really going to control things like hot flashes and night sweats are going to be hormone therapy. So that could either be in the form of an estrogen and progesterone tablet, or for some women, it might actually be a low dose oral contraceptive pill, because that's going to give them contraception. It's going to control their heavy bleeding, if that's what they have. And it'll also control some of their menopausal symptoms as well. There are heaps of symptoms to deal with heavy bleeding because that's often a really big symptom at perimenopause and a lot of women would have heard of things like the marina IUD. So that's an IUD that secretes a little bit of progesterone in it and um, that can really lighten periods or even stop them. So that's a, a fantastic treatment. So it really depends on what your particular symptoms are and what you what's the priority for you to get treated. If you've got really bad hot flushes and night sweats, The thing that um, is really going to help you is oestrogen treatment. But again, that depends on oestrogen treatment's safe to use if it's the right person at the right dose. Is that the same as hormone replacement therapy?
2: That's right. There's been a lot of negative publicity around HRT.
3: It's got links to cancers and other diseases. What's your stance? So HRT is the use of oestrogen plus or minus progestin. And certainly the studies have shown that once you've used it for five years or more, it does slightly increase your risk of breast cancer. So there's about an extra eight cases for every 10,000 women that use HRT over five years. I think HRT, when it works, it works extremely well. So you can have people with very severe symptoms. You know, they take HRT and after a month, they're like a new woman. So it certainly has tremendous benefits. It's about using the right type of HIT in the right person at the right dose. So these days we try to use lower doses than in the past, we try to use it for a short amount of time and we try to select who goes on it pretty carefully as well.
2: The way that perimenopause is treated varies depending on where you are in the world. But guess what? The way it presents itself can vary too. For instance, there's a common idea that Japanese women don't go through menopause. It isn't true. We can't just have our periods forever. And I know my mum, who is Japanese, definitely hasn't had a period for years. But is there a grain of truth behind the idea? Professor Deborah Anderson is the director and founder of the Women's Wellness Research Program at Menzies Health Institute in Queensland. She's looked at how perimenopause plays out across the globe
5: particularly between Western women and Asian women, the perimenopause and the menopause is quite different. For example, we know that uh, Asian women uh, who are living within their country of origin, so for example, Japanese women living in Japan, have the lowest rates of menopausal symptoms in the world, the lowest rates of breast cancer in the world and heart disease, and we know it's not genetic because once um, Asian women move to Western countries, their levels rise to the same level as the Western women, which are um, higher menopausal symptoms and higher breast cancers, etc.
2: Wow! So does that mean it's diet?
5: Well, that's uh, what we've looked at. So we've looked at, is it lifestyle related mm. um, or is it genetic? And, and it is lifestyle related. And there's a couple of things which seem to be influencing this. One of the things is body mass index, which is actually, um, you know, your, your weight. And what we find is that Asian women, particularly those who haven't migrated, tend to have much lower body mass index or much lower weight, um, hold much less um, fat than our Western women. And the other thing is diet. And what we see is that the diet in Asian women has high levels of what we call phytoestrogens. And phytoestrogens are naturally occurring estrogens, which are kind to the breast tissue and kind to the reproductive organs. So they actually work in a a positive way. Are there foods that we can just eat in
2: everyday life that will enrich us with these phytoestrogens?
5: Yes, there are. So if we're looking at um, alfalfa sprouts, are very high in phytoestrogens. Soy and linseed bread is designed. They're soy and linseed crackers now. Soy milk, mm-hmm. when we're looking at actually a glass of red wine, is high in phytoestrogens. What we find, it's just under the skins of dark red grapes. They're, they're some of the foods that you can look at
2: A lot of our listeners aren't up to perimenopause yet, but it's coming. I reckon we're on our way one way or another. What advice have you got for women who know this is coming in their futures?
5: Really what you can be doing is looking at exercising well, uh, making sure you've got a really clean diet, really looking at your stress levels and alcohol levels. And so I think really looking at those, those things you can change, those lifestyle variables to prepare your body to be in the best shape possible.
2: So in other words, perimenopause is the perfect time to do all the life admin stuff that we should be doing anyway. Take stock of your health, reduce your BMI, examine your diet and up your exercise as well as eat more phytoestrogens. Look, I'll be honest, it's not that sexy. But for our three women with first-hand perimenopausal experience, perimenopause is also a big moment when finally, as women, you just stop giving a shit
4: oh yeah (laughs) so much so (laughs) that is the best part oh it's so true you definitely want to be in that club it's really liberating because if you can't be yourself now and express
1: yourself then when the hell can you for me I don't question my power anymore like I'm quite willing to call someone on something they've said or a particular behavior I guess it's a little bit more feeling like you're a matriarch
4: isn't it nice for women to be valued for who they are and what mm. they think rather than how they look? <laughs> you know, that's a really positive thing, yeah, getting in touch with your values and living according to your values.
2: Sounds
1: absolutely brilliant. You're just really hot while you're doing it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and itchy you get fan.
4: and
1: tired and cranky.
2: <laughs> you're sweating like you stole something, yeah. but you're awesome. <laughs> What, what's your message to women who are listening, thinking, oh, my God, I think this is me. I think I'm in perimenopause.
1: Find a really good GP and, and talk about it. Don't suffer in silence. One of the things my mum says to me is when she went through it, she said none of us talked about it. And she was a schoolteacher and she said I would have to wear three maxi pads and I would hopefully last until recess. Why? Oh, just because your period's just, it's its like a scene out of Carrie. It's like. <laughs> oh, God. So I have, I have periods where a tampon will last an hour. There's murder in the
2: underpants. <laughs> There's murder in There's the underpants. it has been a murder.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. That's... So you know when you first get your period in you're a teenager and it's just all over the shop yeah. and you leak and all that? It's like that all over again. But I've got friends who on the first day of their period can't leave the house because it's just so heavy. What do you wish that people
2: knew about
1: perimenopause? Uh, Just, um, cut, cut the woman in your life who's going through it. Just cut her some slack. You know, we're tired. And the thing that it happens at a point in your life where you generally have, you know, teenage kids, you have rapidly aging parents, you're probably working full time, or you've, ramped up your work now that your kids are a bit older and you might be in a place in your career that's really either great or, you know, you're just like, you you took time out of your career. So, you know, you're just trying to get back into it. A lot of women are in relationships that are floundering at the same time and, and still we're holding it together. Still, we are doing all of it. So to just sort of cut us some slack, do some nice things for them. Rachel? It's natural, it's
4: normal, it's part of life and it doesn't last forever either. You know, you do come out the other side and you can come out stronger and happier (laughs) and just more in touch with yourself. It needn't be such a negative thing. It is pretty shocking when you first go through it, I'm sure, for everyone, really. But coming out the other side can be really wonderful. And if you connect with people and talk to people and, you know, don't just hide all this stuff, you'll find that there is a wonderful community. It's really not such a bad club to be part of.
2: Have I drunk the perimenopausal Kool-Aid? Because... I think it suddenly sounds kind of appealing. I mean, I love being the member of a club. I mean, take it easy, I'm still not crazy about alfalfa sprouts, but please hand me the tofu and some linseeds. When I was a kid, there was a dirty joke going around, which I'm going to tell you right now, OK? It's dirty, are you ready? Question, what do you call that white, crusty stuff you find on girls' underpants? Answer, clitty litter. (laughs) Now, I can only tell you that joke because it stood out in my mind as the only time that popular culture, as it stood for me as a super awkward 14-year-old, had ever mentioned female discharge. And guess what? We've got an episode coming up on ladies that's all about discharge. Yep, the stuff that comes out of your vagina all the time and no one ever talks about. If you've struggled with your vaginal discharge in some way... Maybe you had an undiagnosed STI, chronic thrush, or maybe it's just part of your regular life. Please get in touch. Our number is 1300 641 22 or you can send us an email at ladies at if you think this podcast is awesome, which it clearly is, subscribe to it and show a mate how to subscribe to. You can find Ladies We Need To Talk on a podcast app or on the ABC Listen app. Ladies is mixed by Isabella Tropiano, with music production by Martin Peralta and Timothy Jenkins. It's produced by Cassandra Steith. Supervising producer is Madeline Jenner. Our digital producer is Olivia Willis and our executive producer is Justine Kelly. This series was created by Claudine Ryan The manager of audio studios is Kelly Reardon. And speaking of discharge, the second worst band name of all time comes from my friend Dave's band from Melbourne in the 90s, and they were called Fuck Juice.